well, I'm the guy who's seen 50,000 soccer games and coached a thousand kids and gone to all these colleges. That's who I am. If you don't want my advice, then don't ask my advice because I'm going to tell you the truth. And that's the basis behind our whole company. It's like, I'm only hiring people who will be viciously honest in a kind way, but let's stop wasting everybody's time here. Let's stop wasting coaches' time. Let's stop wasting players' time. Let's put kids in the places they belong and we'll all be happier. Um, That's my experience. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 343 Podcast, where we work tirelessly to elevate the level of discourse and practitionership here in American soccer. On this day, I had the pleasure of getting to know Don Williams. And in my case, Don is one of those situations that illustrates how connected the modern world is. Without X, formerly known as Twitter, Don's views on soccer here in the U.S. would never have crossed my desk. Now, of course, a lot of views cross my desk as a consequence of social media, but Don's in particular seemed to strike a chord as someone who has actually put in the years, no, decades of work required, as a minimum requirement, to possibly come to good conclusions. A large proportion of what he was posting was evidence enough for me to say, hey, I want to know more. And at the same time, let's try to help amplify Don's message. So I invited him on. He works principally in connecting youth soccer players to the next level. And that means mostly college here in the States. As always, I hope you not only enjoy this chat, but also glean the gold nuggets that come along for the ride. And no matter where you happen to be in the ecosystem, from youth to pro, whether a coach, a parent, someone in the media, a business owner, or an executive, the gold nuggets are key to leveling up. On that note, what sponsors this episode are two main products. One for coaches and one for parents. Coaches, you need to get your ass over to 343coaching.com, STAT, where you can gain immediate access to witnessing training sessions from a legitimate pioneer in developing American soccer players and teams. That pioneer being Brian Clyburn. Through his work outside the MLS system and then within it, both with Chivas USA and then the LA Galaxy, he showed the way for the rest of the country. And guys, I'm not going to apologize for that statement because it's true. You can join thousands of American coaches who have gone through the program or are in the program today at 343coaching.com. Oh, and if you happen to be coaching the little ones in the 7v7 format, we've got you covered there as well. For that, go to 7v7coaching.com. And parents, we have a one-of-a-kind program for you as well. You can find that at 343masterclass.com. Whether your kid has a crappy, mediocre, or amazing outlier level coach, you, yes, you, are a critical component as to whether your kid truly fulfills their potential or falls far short of it. The key is having a parent who is well, very well, properly educated in this game. That's the goal at 343masterclass.com. Get over there today, simply submit your email address, and we'll do the rest. Okay. I hope you enjoy this episode with brand new guest, Don Williams. Here we go. Good, Don. I'm doing good. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, looking forward to it. I I love your content. Uh, You're a shit disturber just like me. I love it. Um, (laughs) We need it, man. Awesome. We need it, right? It's needed. Somebody's got to tell it the way that we see it. Yeah, no question. And I think maybe some elements in our lives enable us to be able to speak more freely nowadays, right? Because we can understand, 
you know, maybe people who just starting out in their careers and stuff, they have to be a yep. little bit more tight lipped and be careful what they say, which is an interesting facet in and of itself, because we can dive down into, well, what do you mean, Gary? What do you mean, Don? You have to watch what you say. Like, like why? Give us an example. We can go down that rabbit hole, but in brief, Don, I kind of jotted down just a few notes as to what we might want to focus on, because I'm sure you and I can speak for days on end about all kinds of things, but we should probably focus in on, on several topics. Um, let me start out simply by saying I came across your Twitter feed randomly. I don't know how, you know, I started, you know, I would read your posts and I'm like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Another one would cross the desk. Oh, yeah, I agree with that one too. Oh, yeah, I agree with, and I know you get a lot of pushback on some of the things that you, you say, as we all do, but there was such a high percentage of things that I was kind of nodding my head at with what you were saying that I'm like, okay, this is someone of interest for sure. And, you know, lo and behold, we don't have that many guests here. We're very selective as to who we speak to. I'm like, you know what? I want to talk to Don. I, I, appreciate, to I appreciate it, dude. And it's all, believe me, it's all born out of just, it, I always say Twitter is my, it's my diary. It's my, it's like what is happening right now in my day. And you can tell when I'm watching film, you can tell when I'm out on the road, you can tell by what I say, you can tell when I'm talking to coaches, you can tell when I'm talking to parents and their kids. Uh, yeah, sure. it's, it, you can tell because it's just, I just learned to, it's my journal. I don't like journaling for some reason. I like, I like Twitter journaling. It works for me. And it's, it's just, really, and it's just on it. And I really don't have an agenda. I mean, I'm always, we have a business and it's great. I try not to piss people off because of the business, but honest to God, it's not anything more than people aren't saying this. And I don't know why they're not saying it. And it's crazy, Gary, when I go to events and I run into college coaches, like, oh, thank you for saying that stuff. I can't say it. My AD would kill me. Right. Thank you for saying it. Makes me feel a little like just not justified. It makes me feel good to be a voice for people that want to say things and are able to say it. And it's not just me spouting bullshit. Right. For sure. And somebody has to do it. Even if we take spears, somebody has to be the guys taking the spears. You and know, I feel so that, that way about can... you and your, in your projects and you honest to God, you know more about the domestic world of soccer professionally than I know. I don't, I don't have your depth that you have when you post some of stuff, it's like, shit, man, you guys are really on it. And it's, it's amazing to me uh, when I look at your stuff and read your stuff, it's like, yeah, there's just so much to, there's so much to learn, man. And I, well, well, Don, by way of introduction yeah. for our audience here, yeah, maybe you can just give us a, yeah, a let's brief rundown history. I, I mean, sure. you could probably go on forever, but maybe the, the key points. Yeah. So look, I, I started out coaching like, like everybody else. Somebody ran out to my car and said, your kid wants to sign up. And I heard you played soccer and come coach because we need soccer players to come coach. And so I started doing it. And I said, but I don't know anything about coaching, nothing. And so they said, we'll, we'll send you to your licenses. So I started doing the F and the E and the C and the B and eventually did the A. And I was the only guy in my area doing the A. And then the local high school said, we need a coach. And I said, sure. And then the college, local college said, we need a coach. And I said, sure. And I was a goalkeeper. So I had like an in because everybody said, I go to my A license, one of my A licenses. And I can't remember which coach it was at Stanford men's soccer at the time. And he comes to me and says, will you help me with my goalkeeper topic? And I'm going, wow, would that happen in baseball? Like would the manager of a professional team in baseball go, 
I don't know anything about pitching or catching. But he literally said, I know nothing about goalkeeping. And I go, man, this is weird. But it gave me mm. an in. And people started looking at me as the expert in my area, in the, in the East Bay area of, of, you know, grew up just outside of Oakland, um, California. So eventually I just kept taking opportunities. And then my buddy Troy Dyack, who I had met at the B license, I think in Arizona says, we need a goalkeeper coach for our pro team. And I said, I'm in, I don't care what the pay is. I just wanted the experience. Right. So I. I think at one time I counted and I was coaching. I was at seven different soccer jobs at one time uh, mm. between, you know, this club as a goalkeeping director and then my own private lessons and then working for the federation, you know, doing coaching courses and just, just all these different jobs. And then the college jobs. And at one time I was coaching a head coach of a men's college team and the assistant of a division two women's college team at the same time in the same season. I said, that doesn't work. Um, so, but no, I just, I don't know. Look, this game saved me, Gary, at like 10 years old. I fell in love with it. I had nothing going in my life. My personal life was a disaster, no parents around per se, and just a, just a mess. And then I just fell in love with the game. And I said, well, this is my respite. This is the one place I can go and not worry about my personal life. And I would say it's never changed. And I'm 60 years old this year. So this is my 50th year in the game. Um, and yeah, I just love it, dude. I just, I just love it. It's everything to me. And so all of the knowledge that I've gained over the last 50 years, I'm just trying to pass on to people and I'm just trying yeah. to leave something behind when I finally kick off that there's something of value that I left behind and it has to be soccer. This is, this is all no, I, I love. This it. is all I know. That makes no, sense. I love it. And I think that's why. In many respects, I think I resonated with some of the things that you would post because there was obviously a reservoir, right? A deep well of wisdom behind the words. And many times when I read things on Twitter, online, on X, I don't sense that because maybe the people writing things down and, you know, they're having little epiphanies here, or there, you know, they're early on the learning curve, Don, so to speak. And, and they're posting things, but you can tell that there's not much backing it up, if that makes sense. But with your, yeah. well, but with your post, it was a little bit different. Thank you. I think, thank you. I'm glad the way that, I'm glad it comes across that way. And it does drive me crazy sometimes, Gary, because people, like you said, people get these epiphanies and then they, now we've got fancy programs so you can make pro sessions look like, wow. I mean, if I showed right. you somewhere in this room here, I think it's around the corner, is my, what I call my soccer Bible. And it's all handwritten yeah. stuff. And it's from, you know, Carlos Juarez or from some of these guys that I took my licenses with. And they're handwritten notes, dude. There's nothing professional about it. And nobody would understand them but me. Mm -hmm. Now it's so easy for people to be experts. And they're coming up with all these revelations of the game. It's like, dude, we were doing that in 1972. This is nothing <laughs> new. I know you think it's new, but it's yeah. not new. I don't know that there's anything new and revolution. I put this question out there. Like, Gary, is there anything new and revolutionary football in the last 50 years? Like, the passback rule. That was the one I could come up with where, for yeah. me as a goalkeeper, it changed the entire game. It had changed our whole strategy. It changed whole moments of strategies in the game. Right. And right. In a deep, meaningful way, all positive, pushing this game forward. Name another one. It's like, I have a real hard time coming up with Yeah. 
like what Pep's doing is great, but it's no different. Look, that's the Cruyff school. He's teaching the Cruyff yeah, school yeah. is all he's doing. So this goes back to the sixties and the seventies. This goes back to Rainus Michaels. This is not, yeah. this is not new, but you're right to a 20 year old, it's brand new to a 30 year old. It's brand yeah, something new. Yeah. I, I understand. It, 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 no, it's fascinating. So insofar as rules are concerned, I mean, rules change here or there, but the fundamentals don't change. So for instance, the goal kick rule, that one obviously changed not too long ago, but the fundamentals of the game are the fundamentals of the game. And that's what sometimes very difficult to transmit to people right. is time, space, uh, technique, decision-making, all they're, they're just technical, tactical. You see me post this like once a three weeks, technical, tactical, physical, mental. Correct. This correct, is a correct. team sport, it, and, but it, it applies, but doesn't apply to golf, right? It applies to swimming. It applies to yeah. any athletic endeavor where you're trying to be world-class at something. What other components are, are there? Right. Besides that, so let's not pretend that what we're doing is so important that we're reinventing, you know, space and time. We're not. We're yeah. We're just trying to figure out how to operate, like you said, inside space and time, which is all the game really is. Right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So having said that, you work. It looks like one of the things that you do is you work for a company. You founded a company. Uh, I think, if I may be so bold, it's about placing players at the next subsequent level, whatever the level they happen to be placing them at the next level and principally focusing on the college soccer game is what I kind of gather, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And then I want to zoom into, you know, kind of like the cradle, the grave sort of uh, solution that's involved in doing precisely that. Yeah. And look, it's ever evolving for us and it really has become player pathway management. It's not that I only want to help the best players in the world. I mean, that's, that's the easy way to do it. And that's what most agents do, right? They'll look at, you know, Wasserman Group or Stellar Group or any of these major agencies. They're, they're not going to represent, they're going to represent the best in the world. Can you still hear me, Don? I've lost you here on audio. Okay. Are we back? Now we're back. Okay. Now we're back. Sorry. Um, so you were saying it's not necessarily, you were saying it's not necessarily focused on the top of the top. Yeah, yeah. And only those kids. I mean, anybody can do that. It doesn't, I always say to, it doesn't take a, a non-soccer person knows that Messi's special when they watch him play. They know he looks different right. than everybody else. And that's, and we're all geniuses because we can say Messi's or Ronaldo or whoever's the best in the world. That's silly. It's those mid-level, I'm not bad but I fit into a system and I'm not sure where, and I fit into a team and I'm not sure where, but I do love this sport and I am passionate about it and I'm not bad. I'm pretty good. Those are the kids who need the most help. And those are the people that need the most help. So it really has become player pathway management. And so through the connections, look, you just hang around long enough and you just meet people and our new relationship here, I'll be in so we'll run into each other more when you sure. start these relationships and it really is about who you know uh within within the scheme of taking your skill sets and and putting them into the right environment right you know, we see pros struggle in this pro environment but yet they'll be equivalent and they won't struggle anymore it wasn't the right place for them it wasn't the right fit as we say so whether it's college which is the ultimate for 90 7.3% of all the kids in the world, this is it. It's all they're good for. 
and then, or whether it's the other seven tenths of a percent that make it pro, we can help them. We can open up doors. We've made connections. We know people who know people when the moment comes. I think we're only two phone calls away from literally probably anywhere in the world. The question is, can that kid actually do it? Right? Yeah. So it, yeah. it comes down to how good you are. And the marketplace always speaks to where the player belongs, even though people don't want to believe it. It really is the marketplace that speaks to it. And the marketplace will not buy what it doesn't need. Right. Now you can't, you can't force somebody into a program or a club or whatever the case may be. They want what they want. They like what they like. And just because you have the relationship doesn't mean they'll be like, oh, Gary, yeah, sure. No problem. We'll take them when they already have five midfielders deep, you know, and my player's a midfielder and no matter how good he is, unless he's Luka Modric, you know, or they'll have to make a super exception, they're going to be like, well, no, thank you. Even though, you know, it's my best friend and he wants to help out as much as he want to, wants to help out. Um, let me ask you, so from your company's perspective, what happens? Do you, do people come to you and then submit video to you and say, Hey, Don guys, can you help us out? What, what does that look like? Cause I want to get into, because I want to get into the, the post that you made about video submission and what you recommend a video should kind of contain and not contain because I've been through this for a very long time and I get videos submitted to me all the time. And within five seconds, I'm out. Uh, it's a, it's a, like a 20 minute yes. video and, yes. and, and in, and in five seconds, I'm sorry, I'm not going to spend another ounce of time with the video. It's over. Um, no, that's right. So I want to, yeah. I want to get to that point, but is that like the starting point of your process? If you, it has to, yeah, it has to be just for, from a time economical standpoint and how big this country is. And of course we're dealing with kids from Africa and I've got clients. So we've got offices in Africa, in Colombia, in, in, in Mexico, Canada, England, D Dubai, Spain, the, here in the U.S. We're making new connections all the time, all over the world. So economically, it's like, hey, I'm a good player. Come see me play. No way I'm going to come see you play unless I see film first. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to have to see a full match. Right. Yep. If I, if it looks good at that point, then I talk about how much time, effort, energy. So investing of my resources, money, investing of our resources, we're willing to do to come see you play. Because at the end of the day, film just does an injustice to the vibrations that you get, that you feel when you see a player interacting and playing in person. I don't know that AI will ever solve this problem because it's a feeling I get people go. Why do you like a player? Gary, sometimes I'm not exactly sure. Sometimes I'm going to have to really break it down. I just know it looks different than what I'm seeing in the other thousands. It, yep. it looks different. It feels, of course, I know, you know, of course, I know the basics of the game and I know how they open their, their body shape and how they prepared their, their body shape ahead of time. And I know what their touch probably should be in that situation. And then I know what they do. But at the same time, a lot of times as a coach, I'm going, Oh, please do this. I'm thinking to my help, please do this. They do something completely unexpected that breaks the game open, which told me a long time ago that this idea we have in America that I think is born out of baseball and football and basketball, our major sports, and even hockey to a good extent, it's born out of that where we can, as coaches, 
call a timeout, stop, bring everybody in, draw up a set play, fix it, go back out. It's executed right. And we score and we win versus this beautiful game that we have. It's like, good luck players. You're kind of on your own right now. There's not much I can do as a coach to affect it. I'll talk about something at halftime, but unless you guys can get this figured out on the field, we're screwed today because I can't, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah, it speaks to statistics too, because if we're trying to identify a player, you just mentioned about getting this feeling, you know, as a scout in player ID. And these are things that cannot be caught in stats. So video does the player injustice or or too much justice rather, (laughs) uh, either way. And same thing with statistics, you know, because a a lot of folks will be like, well, look, he has 93% pass completion. He has uh, five blocks. He has this many tackles one. He has this many duels one, et cetera, et cetera. But the the fact of the matter is that those numbers, they say numbers don't lie, but they they indeed lie when placed in certain contexts, you know? Figures lie and Uh, liars figure is the other one. So we can say numbers don't lie, but then figures lie and liars figure. We can create our stats to mean to be in our favor or against our favor of our argument and our preconceived notions, we can arrange and pick and choose, and we can create new stats, by the way, that will tell the story that we wanted to tell. And we've done this with, with the goals, right? It's this, right. oh, I expect you to score when you're there. I, ex- I expect, I expect. Dude, doesn't work that way. I've literally yeah. seen golfers pop their heads up and deflect a ball. I mean, youth game, but I saw it happen. So you can't, you can't say now that's the player's fault. You can't say the player did anything wrong. You can't say the player should have done something different because if they do that in nine times out of 10, it's a goal. So why are we talking about the stats so heavily driven as they are? Yeah, it kind of drives me nuts. Then I just sound like an old man who didn't have Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it you kind of hinted at previously with the discussion of baseball, football, basketball, hockey where it is so statistics driven because they are based on individual objective actions that are more easily measurable you know when you see an an xg as they have now or an xa expected goals expected assists or whatever it is completely devoid of who your opponent was what level are you playing at how many defenders did you have around you at the time home or away where are we in the table Right, but a, a million, a million different a things. Million if you have me, things. if you have Messi on, if you have Messi on your team, and he is attracting like a magnet, the entire defense, and you're kind of wide open, or v- vice versa. Right. I mean, there's so many things to consider here, and furthermore, just the fluidity of the game does not lend itself, at least certainly not easily, to being captured by objective metrics. It's not. So it comes back to what you mentioned, which is you. When you see the player in person, after kind of vetting them a little bit with, via video, you get a feeling. Yes. Then, and I then think we go for feeling... a second time, right? So now Correct. I go for it at a point it comes consistent. I have a saying that says, "Coaches play the players they trust," which means you're consistent. Which means I yeah. know what I'm getting from you day in, day out, week in, week out. There's very little variations when you have an off day. I truly know it was a freak of an off day. This isn't you. And then you bounce back from that and you give me more consistency. Those are the 11 that I'm picking because I, because that I can design a system around, right? That I can design. Now I get to do my coaching job. 
right? Now yeah. I get to study the opponents. I get to rearrange this. I get to say, look, they're very vulnerable on the right side. We may be a very right-sided team today. We can practice it. Or I can say that they're a, a counter-attacking team. So there are going to be a ton of long balls lumped in on us. How are we going to gain control of this ball as fast as possible on every long ball? Not making mistakes. But I can't do that if my players are inconsistent. And I'm not going to play players I don't trust that aren't consistent. So I've got to yeah. see the player not only do it on film, but do it in person and then be consistent a time or two. And it's at that moment, Gary, that mm -hmm. I can make a very different phone call to a friend and say, look, I've seen this kid play a dozen times. This right. kid is for you. How do I know that? Because I've seen you play a dozen times. I mean, we, right. we all subscribe to ESPN plus our holes. We go to games in person as much as possible. You will see us posting from Indiana, watching the top. You'll also see me at junior college games. All right. And you'll see me at all levels in between because it's super important. I think this is where most people that advise kids really drop the ball is that they the worst advice I've ever heard given to a family, Gary, when it comes to college recruiting is this one. Pick the schools you want to go to and then contact those coaches. Okay, let's see. Let's make the list. Clemson, Santa Barbara, Notre Dame, UCLA, Stanford. Well, you can't play at those schools. Wait a minute. Well, then why did you give me that advice? You told me pick the schools I wanted to go to. You didn't say pick the ones I could actually play at. I'm assuming that when you give me the advice to contact the schools that I want to go to and I contact them and you say, good job, that you're blessing my choice of those schools. You're the adult. You're the expert. You're the one who knows this game so well, Mr. Club coach or high school coach or adult that's advising me to contact these schools. Why didn't you stop me before I wasted all my time and wasted those coaches time and tell me that I'm not going to play? Because who are you, Don, to tell a player they can't play? Well, I'm the guy who's seen 50,000 soccer games and coached a thousand kids and gone to all these colleges. That's who I am. If you don't want my advice, then don't ask my advice because I'm going to tell you the truth. And that's the basis behind our whole company. It's like I'm only hiring people who will be viciously honest with people in a kind way. But we, let's stop wasting everybody's time here. Let's stop wasting coaches' time. Let's stop wasting players' time. Let's put kids in the places they belong and we'll all be happier. Um, that's my experience. Don, how, how does the business work? Who pays you? Is it the college program? I wish it was the college is program. This is, so, this is so discriminatory, brother, because in football and basketball, they can hire a company like ours mm -hmm. and they can pay us. The school can pay us to bring mm -hmm. them. Look, I'm doing the job for the schools. I always say, we are assistant coaches for every school in the country. It just depends how good the player is and what their qualifications are. But it, there's not a school in the country we can't reach. And there's not a pro team in the world we can't reach through one of our networks. Okay. The question is, how good is the kid? Like, am I going to call my buddy at Cologne and say, I got a player for you if I don't think the player's actually going to play for them at some point? No, because it ruins my reputation. Why would I do that? Right. I might as well just send the kid to a USL one team and then have yep. him prove himself there. And then he's one of the best players. In the, like our kid, Daniel Nimick up in rookie up in Canada, dude. And he is tearing it up at Halifax. He's been like seven or eight times. He's been on the play of the, the, the team of the week. And he's been player of the week individually. He, this kid can ball. 
but that's the right starting point for him, right? To, to say that we're going to start you out in Germany is is like, dude, get some experience first, okay? Uh, yeah. So it really does become the connection of the network, right? It's the power of 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 having a big, big network. Sure. So, so it's not the, it's not the school program. So who is your client? Oh, it's no, sorry. Customer? Sorry. So it's the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't finish the answer this question. It's the kids. It's the families. The families have to All have right. to pay an agency fee. So we're invitation only. You, you cannot buy your way into us. We turn away 10 times, eight times mm -hmm. the number of players that we accept. It's not that easy because they have to know who they are and they have to be able to express to us that they know who they are. That they they don't yeah. think that they belong at, at 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 in the Bundesliga or in the Premier League or in the MLS or the, at Stanford when they clearly yeah. will never play. If they think that, then I tell them, God bless you. I wish you all the best in the world. I'm just the wrong person to help. Maybe I'm wrong, and, the, and I hope I'm wrong. By the way, but that's usually the case. The general case is the families believe that they're their son or daughter is usually considerably higher level than what reality actually is. I, I find that generally to be the case. And, and even the player themselves will think more highly of themselves than what reality actually is. And then it becomes a management job. But I, I presume that what you're referring to is they're sufficiently close to reality that it's not outrageous that's all yeah and what the look what they're expecting is highly likely and the fact is there's 1600 women's programs and 1300 men so even if they know where they fit it's you're still dealing with four or five hundred schools and how do yeah. they what are they look you can contact all four or five hundred you can spend it's what's it going to take you? it's going to take you a couple thousand hours though or you can just pay me three grand and we can do it for you and we can mm -hmm. make those predeterminations for you. And you can just relax and play soccer and you can do the follow-up work. Like you're still going to have to get on the phone with coaches, but we're just going to cut out the middle man, so to speak, of, of having to go through all of these assistants and work your way up. And I'll just call the head coach directly and just yeah. go, hey, do you like this kid? And look, if he's not on your war board, if you don't like him, just tell me and I'll tell him and we're good to go. And sometimes families don't believe me. I'll tell the coach, shoot me a text. I'll screenshot it. Sure. I'll send it to the kid and go, this is from Indiana. They said, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can we just move on? And by the way, every school, one of my friends, I could kiss them on the lips. He was so great. He, he, he said, not technical enough or athletic enough for our conference. Well, I said, good. Scratch these other 20 schools. He's a 20 year coach at that school, by the way. It's not like he's a rookie. Yeah. He's saying, you're not going to help anybody in our conference. That's so helpful to a family and it saves them. 10,000, 20, I don't know how much money yeah. are the kids spending flying to this camp and flying to that camp, chasing do they schools. Come, do they come to, Don, do, so do they find you online and then land on the website and then kind of get yeah. on the contact page and then that's how they make first contact? You got to reach out how, first. I'm not chasing people. Not, not that I won't walk up to kids at games because I will do. Every once in a while, it's like, all right, that kid's really good. I got to know the story. Coach, what's the story? And then every once in a while, it's like, yeah, they don't know. They just decided they wanted to start going to college and they weren't sure what they wanted to do, but now they're pretty sure and they're kind of behind. And I'll just go, hey, do you need help? If you need help, I can help you. You, I can help. And then you get the basics, right? And the basics are grades, degree, money, footballing ability. It's those soccer ability. It's those, it's those four basic things that have to 
match and then some sort of flexibility. Is look, Gary, some people will draw a line in the sand with their tick boxes and go, this is a non-negotiable. I just need to know what those are ahead of time. You know, maybe it's like, I won't go to a Christian-based school or I won't go to anywhere in the South yeah. or I won't go anywhere up in the North or I won't go. There's certain non-negotiables. I won't pay more than 20 grand a year. I won't pay this or whatever, which is great. It's fine. Just have to make sure that those lists of non-negotiables match what is reality for 90% of the time, the majority of the time. So most part, it's a combination of both because we are out and about because we do see that diamond in the rough and we do see that kid was like, how has this kid not been picked up? This is insane, right? Something's wrong okay. here. What's the story? Cause you're, you're you, you know, the hackles kind of go up on the back of your neck a little bit. It's like, all right, this doesn't make sense. What's the whole story here? And, and so there is that, but for the most part, people reach out to us. And nowadays yeah, I've been at this for five years now. My partner, uh, has been at it for over for 13, just doing placement. And so we get a lot of referrals, a lot of, you help my cousin. Can you help this kid? Can you help that kid? We represent kids are, we call them kind of like off the books, sort of. In other words, I'm not really thrilled with the soccer ability here, but what they're wanting, we can make it happen for them. We can, right. And that coach is going to be happy. So it's got to be the kid happy, the parent happy, and the coach happy. Because we're not successful unless all three of those happen. For sure. And, okay, so they make first contact and then I, I presume send you some sort of resume and eventually you get to the video, Don. And this is a, a thorn in the side of many, many of us in this sort of industry, college programs, you name it. Right. Even coaches might get videos from players. Sure. So I mentioned before. Within the first five seconds, I know whether I want to stick around a little bit longer or not. And, and maybe some people are more gracious in, with their time than five seconds. Maybe it's 20 seconds. But usually, for me anyways, if the video quality is below a certain bar, it's over for me. You know, if they're filming for a player from so far away, right, they're on the far side of the field. And you can just tell. You can just tell, Don. And I'm, right. I'm done. That's right. And then. And then one of the things that I recommended so many people do is make sure you capture the wow moments within the first, first 20 30 seconds. seconds. First 30 seconds. seconds have to be freaking fire. Your first four or five plays got to yeah. be something I don't see every day, right? It can't be three negative passes of seven yards with no pressure on you. It's like, mm -hmm. what the hell are you even going back with that? Why didn't you just turn? You had 20 yeah. yards of space in front of you. And you're turning and playing a negative pass. And I see four of those. It's like, I'm with you. I'm out. I'm out. That kid doesn't yeah. know how to play soccer or is in a, such a restrictive system. Again, by the way, I got eight-year-olds that can do that. No joke. There's no pressure on you. And that's part of the problem with so much youth soccer, Gary. There's no pressure on these kids, man. There's, they've got so right. much. And they think they're under pressure is the scary part. But, but sure. the amount of time and space that they have at the youth level in this country to make decisions, and that's all the way into MLS Next, the amount of time and space that they've got to make decisions is, a, yeah, if you can't make good decisions now, no way in hell you're going to make them at the next level. And, and look, let's blame the coaches. Let's blame it all on the coaches. They're not getting the right coaching. Let's just blame them. It's not true. But let's just assume that they're right. You know how long it's going to take you to learn to do this at the next level? Maybe you'll be useful your senior year, possibly, maybe, if you're lucky. Yeah. But I've seen so many freshmen come in and we go, look, if they can just continue to develop like they developed their first year and then they go stagnant for the next three years, 
And of course, blame us, blame the coaches. It's fine. I don't care what the reason is. It's the player's ultimate responsibility to solve the problems of the game. Ultimately, it's not the coach's responsibility. At least that's the way I've always looked at it because it's a player's game. It's the only game in the world that is truly a player's game with no timeouts and we can, we can no longer what to do and sub them out, but guess what? Now the guy can't go back in. So we're kind of screwed here. The players have to solve it. And it's, it's an art. Well, coaches, coaches just don't have a magic wand to accelerate your development within a month, within six months with, I mean, it takes just such a long period of time. And furthermore, what I always have advocated for made people aware of is if you're behind, you have to work twice, three times, five times as long and as hard as the people who are ahead of you to ever have a prayer's chance of catching up. If you're working just as hard as everybody else, which is usually the argument of a player or a parent, he works just as hard as everybody else, or he works harder, right? He gets there on time. They, they have all these ideas of what working hard is. I'm like, well, guys, he, this player here is far ahead of you. If you're working just as hard as he is, you'll never catch him. Right. You'll never, it's over. So Don, let me ask you this question then, because you've tweeted on a variety of occasions regarding mentality. When players graduate from one level to the next, and in your particular case, it's chiefly focused, it seems, from youth to college. When you graduate levels, there is a shift in the requirements on the mental component. It has, to, it's oh, increased, yeah. the demand has increased. It goes from so 20% you, to 80%. It goes up to 90% of the top levels at the pro level. Right, right. And, and that's kind of, and that's kind of what yeah. I'm getting at, you know, yeah. because from, from my perspective, our perspective, you know, we've been in this business of helping the Hispanic Latino top end players become transition to be professionals and have a crack at the professional level and principally from the United States to Europe. And I think what's most what punches them in the face the hardest is the realization that they never under, fully understood at all or understood, period. The mental component becomes 90% of the game at that point. The technique, it's not the technique. You have the technique. The soccer IQ, you've got the soccer IQ. You, you, you're okay. Physically, you're okay. It's the mentality. It's yep. you now have a job. You have a job. Everybody else has a job. And now you're in a global competitive marketplace for jobs. <laughs> and you have a boss, yep. you don't have a youth coach that, you know, yep. handcuffed in many ways. You are working for a business that is one of the most cutthroat, ruthless businesses on the planet, where if you're not cutting the mustard, chop suey, your, your toast, history, kaput, and mommy and daddy can't come and save you. And your agent and can't come money and save can't you. Save you. And Money can't save you either. You can't go to the club. Here's a donation. Or you can't go to the club. Say, hey, what the fuck? Why is my player not playing? Uh, the mommy and daddy can't tweet, say, oh, fuck this coach. Fuck the right. national team coach. Like, you don't exist. Right. Um, so, but I want to ask you to maybe spend a couple minutes on your perspective from the mentality side and whether you consider that um, when placing players or taking on clients. Yeah, no, it's a skill set. And I always refer to this. It's so, I, I am a massive, very good friend and a massive fan of Dan Abrahams. And I'm not sure if you know who Dan is, but uh, he, he works with a number of Premier League teams and National League 
and Premier League players and national team players in England and here in the U.S. and to various clubs. Anyhow, very good sports psychologist. He's written a number of books and has a lot of programs to help people. And I know I, he and I are not fans of these uh, locker room uh, plaques that go up that are these inspirational quotes as if knowing something is the same as doing something, right? I can know that juggling is important and I can know that learning to bend the ball with the outside of my foot off the volley into it. Or I can know it's important, but that's different than being able to do it. The only way that I learn to do it is by practicing it every single day over and over and over until I don't think about it anymore. And the ball comes in and I make a split second, fraction of a second decision to pull off this technique. And I, but I never even thought about it. It wasn't like I decided it just happened because I've done it so many times. And then we treat the mentality of the game like it's different, like these posters in the locker room are supposed to do it for us. And then we yell at the players because they're not mentally tough. And we punish them because they're not mentally tough. But then how many coaches introduce mindfulness? How many coaches introduce, uh, you know, if you've ever read the, the, the book, The Mindful Athlete, uh, look, look, he was a co he was the coach to Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan needs a mentality coach, if Kobe Dr Bryant needs a mentality coach, then then don't we all need a mentality coach? Like, why do we think we're better than Michael Jordan? That is the mm. most narcissistic piece of crap I've ever heard in the world. That these players are ignoring the mental aspect of the game, which any pro will tell you. It's and I've heard anywhere between eighty and ninety percent. That's what the game is. As a youth, it's what maybe it's 10%. Who gives a crud what an eight year old's thinking? They need right, to learn to right. dribble a soccer ball. They need to right. learn how to cut yeah. the ball under pressure. They need to learn how to create space on the dribble and on the run and all of that. The mentality piece comes into point once they hit the maturity level of 15, 16, which is the turning point for most kids. That's it. Past 13, 14, 15, they're going to figure out whether they're an athlete or not whether they'd rather do music or dance or art or whatever they oh, want to lost do you again. rather than pour all of these hours into the athletic endeavor. That I, 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 lost you, I lost you there where the 15, 16 is the maturity point oh, where they yeah. kind of figure out whether they're going to. That's it, right? They're not post, post third, do we start getting into that age of, of, of cars and, and puberty and dating and all of that stuff? It changes all of us in a significant all the way. Actions. Yeah. All the distractions. Sure. And it's all normal stuff, by the way, but only the best can tune it out and can focus. But that takes, that can be taught. Look, that's part of it's what you're born with. That's part of it. But the other piece can be taught, can be practiced, and it can be worked on. And I would like coaches to spend some time on that and teaching, teaching their kids how to navigate the difficulties of our game. Yeah, Don, to, to that point, I agree with you that coaches could certainly be doing a lot more in that respect. And when we're talking about mentality, let's be clear here to the audience in particular, we're talking about things like having good habits, having discipline, uh, consistency, commitment, responsibility, those sorts of things are the components within mentality. I don't want people to have a confused notion that Oh, just being mentally strong on the field, in the soccer arena, right? It's all of the things outside of the soccer arena 
that greatly contribute to whether you're going to be successful at those next levels or not. So I agree with you that coaches could do a lot more. My experience tells me that to a great degree, the development of the mentality of the player is most influenced by all the things that exist outside of soccer. So their parents, their circle of friends, what are they doing the other 20 hours of the day that is not on the soccer field, you know, cause that's a much greater percentage. And that's, I mean, to say nothing of who they respect more. Yes. Because their parents are their parents. They're going to listen to their parents, whether they believe that they're rebelling or not rebelling They're the parents have penetration with the player the psyche and their circle of friends have huge influence Don. So I, that is an area that I think coaches don't have much impact over. Oh yes, oh, it's almost pretty obvious. I think you're you're so spot on, but who they're hanging around with and what they're. My son had to cut off all of his youth contacts at one point because they wanted to go a different direction, doing different things in their life that weren't conducive to him playing professionally, which is all he ever cared about was soccer. There's a reason he's still a soccer coach today, uh, you know, at at nearly forty years old. He, this is all he ever wanted, man. Yeah. And he had to he had to mold his life around what he really wanted. Yeah. And that's that what, and yeah. that's the key too, right? You really have to want it. Because if you if you kind of are hedging your bets or you're not all in on being a top level player, it's just not going to happen for you. No, it has to be it has to be passion, man. It's got to be That's the one thing when people talk to me they go, "Damn, you're passionate, Don." Yeah, cuz this is all I ever this is all I ever cared about. Right. This yeah. is it. This is Thursday. I had other jobs, but they were just jobs to feed my soccer. <laughs> That's all they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, these kids have to own it in their soul. And I'm afraid that a lot of the kids that we're helping and dealing with, I, I can tell you that there's a good number of them that are doing this to please their family. Uh, look, mm. their family's invested so much money into them. They feel this obligation to pay them back by finishing what are, what they started instead of saying, I'm not into this anymore, which I wish more kids would do in our sport, would just say, look, I'm really not into this anymore. It's not really my thing because it ends up hurting a lot of other people. They're, it's not yeah. just them they're hurting. It hurts their coaches. It hurts their entire team. It, it hurts the, the people they're in a relationship with. And it ends up hurting their family when they're just kind of half-assing it. And it's not, not intentionally half it. Like, I don't even think it's conscious, Gary. I think it's almost an unconscious obligation that they feel. And I wish people would stand up and say, look, it's okay if you've changed your mind about yeah. what you want to do. But then, but don't tell me you want to play pro if you don't like juggling. If you don't <laughs> like going to a wall, if you don't like going for a run, if you don't l like going down to the field and screwing around with your buddy and taking shots, if you don't like working on your weak foot, if you don't like any of that stuff, stop telling me you want to play a pro and stop telling me you want to play at Stanford because you're lying, not just to me, but to yourself and everybody else around you in your life. You're lying. You're living a lie. It, it, it is sort of like, I'm not trying to get political, but you imagine people that, that, that lie about their sexuality and then get married and have a family and think about the people that that hurts when they could just go live their life and be happy and, and be honest about who they are 
you kind of feel that way about people in athletics at times. It's like, just, just be, admit who you are. Right? And we will still love you, by the way. It has nothing right. to do with whether I love you or whether you're a good person. Just because you quit soccer. And I told my kids all the time, I'd rather you not do it, honestly, because it's easier for me. But yeah. if you want to do it, I'll support you. Right? But, but then don't waste my time. Again, it's related to this whole being mismatched with reality. If what you're saying and doing is not in alignment with with what you want for real, then you're there's a mismatch there and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse because you're going to start resenting the people that are closest to you when they start trying to help you in the direction that you're telling them that you supposedly want to go and you don't want to hear it because they're giving you potentially <laughs> solid advice and you don't want to hear that solid advice because the reality is you don't want to do it. All right. That's it. That, that's really what it comes down to. And I got, if nobody get that's gold, by the way, it's the first podcast I've ever talked about this on ever. And, I, and I'm almost afraid to say it publicly because people think I'm a jerk, but it's so true. And it has to be said. And I hope kids, families listen to this. And if you don't get anything else out of this, talk to your kids, man, figure out if this is really what they want to do or not. Yeah, it's the most it's the most important thing is to have all the ships sails aligned in the same direction. If if one's pointing east and the other one's pointing west and the other one's pointing north, you know, pointing south, like you're not going to go anywhere. Like, yeah. but, but, this, but this is the reality because so many people focus on the technical and the tactical and all these sorts of things, but at the heart of it all is, do you actually want this or not? Because if you, you want, you almost it, swore there, Gary. I saw that, man. You, but you, you because you're passionate about it, and I get it. They gotta well, know whether they want freaking want to do gone. it or not. Yeah. Well, done. If you want it, <laughs> all the other three components—the technical, the tactical, the physical—you're going to be able to fulfill whatever potential you have in those three arenas to a great degree if you have alignment with what it is that you actually want to pursue. Because if you want to pursue it those three things are naturally going to get better and better and better because you're going to spend the time and have the dedication, the commitment, the responsibility to do it. If you don't have the mentality, if you don't have the mentality, Don, and you don't have alignment, you're not going to, you're not going to, you can I don't try care how great you are physically and I don't care how great you are tactically. You're going to get beat up at the next level because the minute something goes hard for you, you're going to go, yeah, but I didn't really want to do this anyways. Right. That's, and that's your escape valve. Uh, it's your escape valve. And, and a lot of, look, the transfer portal is a lot of players. I can't tell you mm. the number, but it's a lot of them. It's our escape valve. Look, they went into college. They didn't start. They didn't really want this. This isn't really Man, what me, they, hey, they don't Don, want to tell me, and fight about. Don, it. Tell, me, tell me a little bit about that. I, Cause I think that's something very important. Most play, cause I haven't followed college in over 10 years. Okay. Right. Right. Most players who enter college, a good pro it doesn't even have to be a good program enter college most of the time as a freshman you aren't just jumping in and being the starter right it, it there's usually some sort of seniority thing at least this is how it was you know when i was growing up and then up until 10 years ago when i was tracking it very closely there is a little bit of this incoming freshman class maybe one guy or two guys is a protagonist is a, is a difference maker, right? Is a difference maker. Yeah, and the rest of them have to learn, need to learn how to be difference makers. 
Yeah, but the rest of the guys, like they don't, they get very limited minutes, mm-hmm. and maybe they're coming from a youth program where they were the starter and they were very important. Probably and did. They, they just mm-hmm. crumble at that, and they have no idea how to handle it. That so we're going back to the mentality piece, right? So they've never learned how to actually face adversity head on and challenge it, right? To, to look that monster in the eye and go. You're a nothing burger, man. I got you and I'm going to beat you and I'm not listening to my fears and I'm not listening to the to the naysayers. I'm not listening to any of you people. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then they go out and do it. That is the best lesson that anybody could ever learn in life that'll carry you through a thousand other things of, of adversity that end up breaking a lot of people and causing mental illness and causing problems in their life because they, they can't deal with the adversity. They've never had to handle it before. Do you think there's a correlation with academics, meaning the the better the student is, the more likely they can face that adversity? Have you found anything to that effect? I know it's very difficult because we don't all have the data. Um, I have my personal opinion from personal experience and anecdotes, but I'd like to hear if you found any sort of correlation at all. Well, there's a couple of things going on. Look, if I'm, if I want to be, so I've got a kid right now who I, the coach at MIT has said they will support his application. So now we're crossing our fingers and praying he gets in there, but he's that smart. I mean, he was a 35 ACT on his second attempt and never gotten a B in his life in anything ever and taken every most difficult course that that you could ever imagine. He really is almost photographic memory type genius. And he's a pretty good baller too. He's a good goalkeeper. So he's going to be driven by wanting to send rockets into space, even if it doesn't work out on the soccer side at MIT. He's not going anywhere and he'll stay part of the team. There won't be even talk of transfer. So in that sense, the academics plays a role. I think a lot of our two things going on. There's a lot of kids going to college who have no business going to college. They should go be a lineman and make $300,000 a year stringing, you know, power lines for people. Mm-hmm. They, they, mm-hmm. Should, they should go and, and make $150,000 a year being a plumber, right? They mm-hmm. should do a lot of things. They're just not, but we're forcing kids into academics in our society right? Mm. We're forcing them into it. They don't belong there in the first place. So now certainly naturally when the soccer goes wrong and you hated being there at the school, Mm. you want to run. You want to run because nothing's going right in my life. Right. Mm. And at that point you can't even hold relationships together with people because you're miserable all the time, right? Internally, you're just miserable. So there's the other piece of it is I think we're forcing kids into college that don't, don't belong in college, man. Let them, let them go do their thing. And by the way, if they're a good enough soccer player, there's plenty of opportunities to continue to play the game, right? I did an interview with Bruce Murray. You know Bruce Murray from our nation's history or not, but he was the, he was the Herman Mack player of the year. He won the national championship. Uh, he was the, he was the, uh, he was the U.S. leading goal scorer when he retired from the national team. And he said his goal at every level was to continue to play soccer. So he was making decisions in his life so he didn't have to stop playing the game. <laughs> Any surprise that the guy was highly successful at every level that he went and played at, right? No, no shock at all. And he has a career in what today? Soccer. So this is what he wanted. My son wasn't a great academic and neither was I. We both got our master's degree. You know why? 
because of soccer. Soccer, mm-hmm. soccer drove us to do that so we could continue playing and staying involved or coaching and being involved in the game. Because So that's, I think that academics has something to do with it. And I also think, I think there's something in how certain pros brains are wired. Like I'd love to see a deep psychological survey on, and there's books that have been written about this, right? Uh, about what makes a winner, right? What makes a champion? What is the mindset of the champion? There's been three or four different books that have been written on this, but it, it's, it's, it's a great topic. Uh, I'd love to know what you, what you think. Well, I haven't coached uh, a Cristiano Ronaldo or a Messi and I haven't advised <laughs> a you know a Slatan Ibrahimovic either so it's kind of hard for me to answer that at the highest of levels yes right and, but of all the players that I have been around and and by the way I think this extends well beyond football it's it's just a mentality of excellence in whatever field you happen to choose you know because yes you can you can you could go and be the world's greatest plumber but that's going to take a certain mentality and dedication and love and passion associated with it. Just like if you want to be a world-class entrepreneur, or if you want to, I don't know, be a, a physicist, a scientist, yep. a, try to win the Nobel laureate, all these things. I think there's a common thread between champions in whatever it is that you happen to pursue. So you don't necessarily have to be a, a Slatan Ibrahimovic to kind of appreciate that. Um, but from my end, the, the guys that have been the most successful, again, are the ones who surround themselves and are in an environment. Well, first they have to want it, obviously, but they have to be in an environment of other people who are also in the pursuit of excellence themselves in, in their own. Oh, yes. Your environment craft. is so you know? vital. And I, because if, because if you, if you are surrounded by friends or family that, and look, I'm not saying everybody has to pursue excellence. We can all kind of settle down and have a wonderful life and a wonderful family agree. and love. And, and all of these things matter in life. No question about it. But if you're surrounded in an environment where, how, how, do, I, how do I phrase this in a non-pejorative way? If you're, if you're surrounded by... <laughs> No, but I'm being serious. I know what you're trying to do, brother. You're dead serious. And I know what you're trying to do. No, and I Don, know, I know no, that Don, I, I fight Don, this. Go ahead. No, because there, there are friends and family who can be tremendously toxic to your success. And if you're around toxicity, whether it be friends and family with tremendously bad habits, uh, whatever it is, Don, I mean, you can't help yourself but be dragged down by those elements. Um, I don't know. Or be That's slowed down. Look, I've got, a, I've got a dad, right? That I know uh, right now who his kid cannot, hasn't sat for one season, two seasons in a row in any club in the last six years. Cause every one of those are toxic. Every mm. one of those environments. It's not the kid, man. It's the dad. 100%. It's always the dad. When I get the kid alone, he's a different, person than he is around the dad the kid needs to be in another country away from his dad man he would develop and blow up and do really well because the kid has something to him but everybody is supporting every time it goes wrong it's their fault 
it's their fault. It's that person's fault. It's, it's always somebody else's fault. That's toxic yeah. from internal, from that family. Even though it feels like they're supporting, they are ruining the mentality of that kid. They're, they're destroying yeah. that kid. Instead of saying, look, you, this is life, man. Doesn't always go your way. What about stick-to-itiveness? What about loyalty? What about hard work? What about not giving up? What about all the things? Again, we come back to the mentality, Gary. This is why when we say, when you and I preach to people, that the majority of this game it is going to come down to your mentality if you've fallen in love with it and worked your ass off at it. It's going to come down to your mentality. That determines whether you make it or not. Or by the way, just go to an easier level. Don't yeah. strive for greatness. Go for mediocrity. Perfectly yeah. fine. I People don't like that word mediocrity, but look what up what it means in the dictionary. It just means I'm average. I'm yeah. an average person like everybody else. And that's 90% of our society is yeah. average or below average. You and I are talking about the 10%. And I kind of hate that we're spending so much time talking about the 10% because it ignores the other 90%. But in a way, we're not because we're just being realists based on our experience. Yeah, well, beyond that, even if we're focusing on the top 10%, I mean, everybody, this is like nature. It's a, it's, it's a law of nature. So even yes. if you're in the bottom 10% or even if you're in yeah. right in the middle of the bell curve, these players, these family, these people need to be aware of what it takes. And then that maybe they, maybe they won't do that, but they'll do maybe a little bit more than what they're currently doing and have a few more successes um, than they're currently having. So I think we have to speak to what it takes at the top end, because that is kind of like the role model. That is the benchmark it, that's fair. If you get what I'm saying. That's fair. No, that's fair. That's a fair argument. Um, now, because if we don't, if we don't, Don, we're kind of, in my opinion, we're letting down uh, people who may be being advised by us. We're letting them down by not letting them know the truth. If that makes sense, if we're sugarcoating things, I like that we're. I like we're spinning around this thing and looking at it from all angles. I. It's important. I, I would agree with you. Cool, man. So it's been an hour, brother. I'm glad that I've gotten to see you face to face, meet you, ch me chat too. a little bit of soccer. You, where are you at again? You are so, up north from me. I'm okay, in Los so, Angeles. Yeah, you're in Los Angeles. So I'm, if I drive to Reno, Nevada, it's going to take me about an hour and a half. So I'm in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. I moved up here to take over a faculty position and teach full time as well as coach men's and women's at a junior college up here called Feather River. So, and then when I retired, I said, oh, I, I like this. I just cool, like man. What are you teaching? I was, I was teaching, I was teaching business classes and then I was teaching all the athletics type basically see when you're when junior college is so different because you get your kids for 10 months a year as a team because they're in a soccer class that you mm. teach that's open to everyone so it's uh yeah it was nice i was teaching that and then then business classes yeah awesome brother awesome but well listen done. dude no listen <laughs> yeah. no listen we we can talk forever as i said um we should try and do it again maybe i can shoot you over 
at some I'd point. Love to. Dude, there's... anytime yeah. I'm all yours, man. And, and maybe I think I should bring you on our podcast and we'll just, we'll figure out the angle. It's called Inside College Soccer. So okay. it has to do with some of these same things that we're talking about, but there's so much you and I haven't covered and I'd love to revisit this again. Don, have a great evening. Thank you so very Thanks, much, brother. man. And Appreciate I look forward you, to doing it again. Appreciate you. Thanks, Gary. Talk to you soon, man. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches, you can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels. Nonsense. We've proved it at every single level and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program. Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. Lastly, if you're coaching 7v7, we've got you covered there as well. Go to 7v7coaching.com. Until next time, cheers, everyone, and keep building.